This episode's brought to you by Adventure Professionals and Project 180, where we truly build better humans. Yeah, the Building Better Humans Project Podcast. Welcome. Be motivated and be inspired. Let's go. G'day team, Glenn Azar here, welcoming you back to the Building Better Humans Project podcast. Monday, kicking off the week with a little bit of inspiration. Now, I was watching a video of a military guy from the American uh, Army who was out doing mine sweeping, uh, so looking for mines in Afghanistan. He ends up putting his backpack down and he puts it right on a mine, right on a bomb, goes off and loses all four limbs. So he's a quadruple amputee. And now he goes around talking to people about how he got through that process. He was 25 years old when it happened. He was married. He had a six-month-old daughter and all of a sudden lost both arms, both legs. And I got a lot out of this. What I want you to get out of this is whatever challenges you're going through, whatever is happening in your life, there are ways to get through it no matter what it is. Now, you can push yourself. You can do all those cool things when everything is going well. And we talk about that. But what about when the real big life challenges come? What about when something like this, or if something like this was to happen to you? So I look to people who have overcome great odds and how they approach it, what's their mindset like, and then I try and work out what can I tap into in that area. Now, we don't know how we would respond to a massive incident unless it happens to us. And and we can only hope that we would respond favorably. We would respond positively to try and create some sort of positive life outside of that. But we don't know until we're tested if we actually have that in us. Now, one of my true beliefs is that we must build resilience and we build resilience by challenging ourselves, by getting outside our comfort zones. We do it in all different ways. You know, if you hate public speaking, then get up and public speak. If your health and fitness isn't great, then train to get your health and fitness better. If In fact, let's talk health and fitness. If you're looking for ways to build resilience, I think training, you know, 45-minute, 60-minute training sessions where you're getting outside your comfort zone where someone else is pushing you, it has all these mini moments in it that you have to push through, that you have to dig a little bit deeper. And then what you're doing is you're building resilience over time. So imagine that resilience is a bucket and you're just putting more and more into that bucket until it's nearly full. One day, when you are challenged in life and you have to dig deep and you have to find resilience, well, you've got a bucket full of it there. You've been building that resilience. You've got somewhere that you can go and start to take from, some experience from. Now, if we live inside our comfort zone, if we take the greatest addiction of the Western world today, which is comfort, and we never get out of that comfort zone, we do everything we can not to be uncomfortable in any way, then we don't have the resilience when we need it. And the problem with that is, when you need it, is when you find out you don't have it. And that's going to be a pretty shitty thing. So I want to share this message from Travis Mills. I think it's a great video, and you can look it up. Just you know, look up Travis Mills. I'm sure he'll come up there. Um, but have a listen to this. Have a listen to his attitude. Have a listen to the way this guy tells jokes in his story. This is six years post-bomb blast. He's now got two kids, still married. Life is really good. But just think, six years, so he's still only 31 years old. So he's got a lot that he's got to live through. So if he can do this, if he can have a mindset like this, So can you. I hope you have a great week, and I'll see you again Wednesday. When I walked out here, I got to be honest, I was pretty nervous. I hope I didn't, you know, bomb this. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because last time, what happened? (laughs) So on the screen, you were going to see my best friend, my wife, Kelsey. She winds up uh, telling me with excitement and fear that she's pregnant. 
nine months go by and my daughter's born. And the reason I know that my wife is the best in the world is because when I looked at my wife and I said, what do you want to name her? You think Madison or Avery? She looked at me and said, no, we have to name her Chloe Lynn, don't we? And I said, we don't have to do that. Why would you even think that? And she said, because you idiot, you already got your ex-girlfriend's name tattooed on your arm. <laughs> yeah. So we named her after my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> it's not true. It's not true. <laughs> no, my ex-girlfriend's the devil, but it's on. <laughs> so everything's going my way. I'm coming up with my third deployment. I got to go over to Afghanistan for my third time. Start putting our stuff on like normal. As we're going over what we're going to do, we're strapping our gear on. We go out with the minesweeper and we start sweeping the ground back and forth. Back and forth. Nothing alarms us or anything there. I take my backpack off and I set it on the ground. It hits the ground and underneath it is a bomb. And it takes my right arm, right leg automatically. They rush me into surgery, right? We're going to fast forward into the surgery here. And they cut my left leg off because it's already gone. And then two days later, they have to cut my left arm off because the skin and neck are tied. So I'm a quadruple amputee. Three days later, I arrived at Walter Reed in Bethesda, Maryland. My wife came up to me, right, and I saw her. When I finally got the chance to talk to her, I said, Kelsey, you don't have to do this. Take the house, take the cars, take whatever money we have saved up and go. This is not the life I would choose for you. And she thought about it, and she said, you know, I was thinking that. Yeah. Yeah. And then she came around and she said, you know what, handicapped parking sounds enticing. I'm... I'm going to stay. But if you can imagine, she actually at 23 and I'm 25 and our daughter, six months old, said, you know what? I'm going to be here. We're going to get through this together. So I'm at Walter Reed and I'm trying to recover. I had to find motivation, but I find motivation in my wife and my daughter. And all of a sudden there's a brotherhood at Walter Reed. A robot walked into my room and first thing out of this guy's mouth was, hey man, welcome to the club. I said, I want to be in your club. He said, kind of late now, don't you think? I said, oh, you got me there. And his name was Todd Nicely. He showed me that with hard work and determination, I could walk again. And two things went off. Number one, this guy showed me the way that I can get better. I can still be there for my family. And number two, he's a Marine. And if a Marine can do it with how dumb they are, you know. So the things I wanted to accomplish, I wanted to be able to feed myself again. I wanted to be able to pick a fork up and put food in my mouth. You see, I, I couldn't do that for five weeks. At five weeks, I was out of my recovery stage enough where I was healed up and I could grab a fork. I also was tired of sitting in a wheelchair. I thought, you know what, I want to be able to walk again. So seven weeks and four days into my recovery, I took my very first steps at Walter Reed. It was very painful, it was not easy. And as I was walking around the track, they said, you'll walk one lap today. And I went ahead and walked three laps that day. And when I got done, I sat down, took a breather, and realized this could be something that I do. Now the next thing, ladies and gentlemen, is my hand. Now this thing's the coolest thing in the world. On the screen, you're gonna see the most important hand that I own, right there. It's not the one I'm wearing. No, that one. That one's called a Greifer. That hand is in a Crown Royal bag on the top shelf of my closet. Yeah, and nobody touches that hand because that hand closes 25 pounds of pressure. And you see, my daughter is seven years old. Yeah, in nine years, Johnny's gonna come knocking at the door. And he's gonna be like, Hey, bro, like, did you just bro me, Johnny? That's 25 pounds of pressure. He's like, oh, dude, that hurts. Johnny, there's no strike two and three. This is two and three right here. Crunch. I break his hand. I know, sad. He's like, let me go. Let me go. I pull Johnny close. I don't let him go. No. I say, Johnny, guess what? I don't know what. 
No fingerprints, Johnny. <laughs> Remember that, Johnny. When I got blown up and I was down and out and I was wondering why did this happen, I was embarrassed, I was angry, I was questioning am I a bad person, does God hate me? And the biggest question I honestly had, ladies and gentlemen, was why didn't I just die? Why did I live through this? And I found the answer in my family. And I found the answer in Todd Nicely, that corporal that came to see me that was retired from the Marine Corps, that told me I would be fine. So I decided I was going to talk to everybody I could that was at that hospital. And at Walter Reed, amputees are what you normally see. And me missing all four limbs, that was the worst you were going to see. So I'd go room to room, and I'd say, hey, I'm Travis. You're going to be fine. Same message Todd gave me from that experience. Some people found out I did that. I became known as the mayor of Building 62, and they made a documentary on me. I don't think my problems outweigh anybody else's. I am fortunate to live in a nation where I can wake up in the morning with no arms and no legs, strap my legs on, right, throw my arm on, go in the elevator and go out, and live life to the fullest. Take my wife and my daughter wherever we want to go. The two life lessons that I have learned that I want you to go and pass along to everybody that you meet is number one, don't dwell on the past. I learned that because when I was sitting in my hospital bed, closing my eyes and wishing that this did not happen, I realized you're not going to change the past. I can't change what happened yesterday and I can't change what happened six years ago in Afghanistan. So I reminisce the 25 great years I had with legs and arms, and I've had six pretty great years without it. But with that experience, and so many more, you can't always control your situation. But I can always control my attitude. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building Better Humans podcast with your host, Glenn Azar. For feedback, to stay up to date, or go back and find an old episode, head over to our new home, 180.net.au. Yeah, the Building Better Humans Project Podcast. Let's go.